I went in after the cervical biopsy about a week later. I had an appointment with her to, to discuss. And that's when I got the cancer diagnosis. <laughs> and she wow. was shocked. She was a wonderful doctor. And, and you know, lucky me, I always seem to get the, the doctors that have the interns following them. So there was an intern watching me get my cancer diagnosis. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's what everybody says. It's, it's complete shock. You just freeze. You can't believe what you just heard. And uh, I, went, I came home and I got in my sauna. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we are talking to someone named Carmen Weir. She is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and she has a heck of a story. We are talking about cancer today. It is a part of Carmen's story. And Generally speaking, cancer is a little more serious than some of the things we discuss on this show. Now, do not get me wrong, because I'm not discrediting the things that I've been through or the things that many others have been through, but there's a certain aspect of cancer that can't be denied, and it is the idea that one may pass away in the relatively near future if this is not addressed. That is sometimes the case with other conditions that we bring on this show, but a lot of the times it's more that the person suffers for decades and it's still hanging in there, but they're suffering very long term, as opposed to having this idea of, okay, I could actually die in a year or two if I don't get this under control. So it is completely crappy in a different way when you are dealing with something like cancer. And we take a different approach of it with that, right? We're not always just going the 100% functional route. Uh, functional route. This person has a clock over their head to some degree. We don't know exactly when it is, but we can kind of get a general idea. And if we don't do something in a certain time frame, there is going to be a period in the future where that clock will run out. And it's a lot sooner than most of us would like. That's just what it is. I'm not trying to get too serious right from the get-go today, but I'm just saying what it is. That's the fact of the matter. And because of this, it's important that we recognize all the sides and all the choices that the person decides to make. This is a serious thing and we need to respect anyone who makes their own decisions with this or goes through this. And Carmen Weir is such a wonderful example of someone who really used their head when dealing with cancer. But she took some functional approaches. She also took the Western approach when necessary. She said yes to some Western things and no to others. She did some functional things and did not do other functional things. She did what she thought was right. She kept a level head. And I think, I would imagine at least, I can't speak 
for this completely because I'm not someone who's dealt with cancer, thankfully. But I would imagine that people that are dealing with this, especially if you're newly diagnosed, would greatly benefit from a podcast like this. So this might be something to share with a friend or family member. It might be something to share on your social media if you find that to be appropriate. I don't know. I think you'll really like this one, though. I want to read her bio, and then we will get into this today. Carmen came to FDN after several health crises. In April 2019, I sorry, I should have specified this before. There's a lot more than just cancer here, but that is going to be one of the main focuses of the show. I just don't want to throw a curveball here with the rest of this bio. In April 2019, she was diagnosed with RA, otherwise known as rheumatoid arthritis. A follow-up DEXA scan showed she also had severe osteoporosis. Given the option of low-dose chemo for the RA and drugs that didn't truly build bone, she looked to other more holistic approaches and hired a, a famous functional medicine doctor. I'm not sure who it was, but she labels it as someone who was famous. These two diagnoses were just the beginning for her, though. Later in 2019, she was diagnosed with yet another autoimmune disease known as gutate psoriasis. And I had to actually look that one up, admittedly. I'm familiar with psoriasis, of course, but I had never heard of the gutate psoriasis. And it seems like the main distinction there is that it is characterized by psoriasis patches that last extremely long periods of time and are very resistant even to Western medicine treatments like certain creams or whatever. It could be very hard to get the flare-up down. Then in March of 2020, very bad time for this, if you guys remember what was happening in the beginning of March 2020, the big daddy of them all was revealed, stage 3 endometrial cancer. Carmen chose a hybrid approach to the cancer, undergoing radical hysterectomy and chemo alongside many holistic practices. It was during her cancer journey that she realized her passion and mission in life were to help other people find health outside of the Western medical model of sickness care. On New Year's Eve of 2020, what a great day for this, with a body clear of cancer and a heart set on becoming a difference maker, she signed up for the FDN course to set her intentions for life after cancer. What you guys will appreciate in this episode, and it is an appreciation that will go stronger and stronger the longer you listen, is the rock-solid mindset this woman developed. I mean, it is, it's badass, man. It's something you can't fake. I'm a huge believer in the self-help books, but I don't necessarily believe you can just read your way to this type of mindset. Because of what Carmen has dealt with, and because in many senses she has kind of stared the idea of death in the face, and she approached it in such a positive and incredibly wise way, you're not stopping this woman. I mean, you there's nothing you can do to her at this point that I think would shake someone like this, because she has taken one of the worst things that could happen to someone and flipped it completely and just said, okay, I'm going to use this for power. I'm going to use this to help other people. And I can't commend her enough. So Carmen, thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing your story. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. All right. Hey there, Carmen. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to tell my story and talk to you, Evan. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the audience just got to hear that bio. That is a heck of a lot of a lot of stuff, and I know that there's more to dive into today. I was saying to you off air too. It's, um, you know, we get a lot of autoimmune stuff on here. We get a lot of chronic symptoms, and those are very severe and scary things. I mean, my family's dealt with the autoimmune stuff directly. I've dealt with the autoimmune stuff directly, but the cancer thing has a weight that comes with it that I I don't think is always there with certain autoimmune diseases because there's such a threat of the person 
you know, not being here with us if this progresses too quick or, or too fast. So um, we'll get into that for sure. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I want to start with today. Just when did the health symptoms even start for you? What was life like before that? What were you doing? When did you first notice that some health stuff was going on, Carmen? Um, well, I, uh, I think that I've always eaten pretty healthy and always thought that I felt pretty good. But I think that something has always been off. And uh, in 2018, I had a lot of feet problems. My The bottom of my feet were really sore. And um, I went to my regular doctor, who the one that I had at that time was awesome. And she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to a podiatrist. And so I went through a series of appointments with the podiatrist. I had a it was just a fatty tumor on the bottom of my foot and I had that removed. It wasn't cancer or anything awful. And after that got removed, that particular place on my foot felt better, but the ball of both feet were still sore. And I kept going back and going back and going back. And I said, you know, why did the bottom of my feet still hurt? I said, I can deal with the pain, but I don't know what this is. And I don't know where this is going to leave me in 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm. And so I was worried about what, what is this? So I spent the fall, well, the summer and the fall of 2018 with very sore feet, went through all of these appointments, went through the surgery. Um, uh, finally, my, again, regular doctor, <laughs> I went back to her because the podiatrist was not telling me anything. And she said, well, let's just run some blood work here. And she didn't tell me what it was. And so we ran the blood work and uh, it was over the charts high for rheumatoid arthritis. So, of course, I got referred to a a rheumatologist. I already knew that it was RA and uh, was kind of prepping for that. (laughs) And so I, uh, I did, in fact, see the rheumatologist who said, yes, you have RA. And um, by that time, it wasn't just my feet, my whole body ached. And it was a chore to get up. I was foggy brained. I needed a half an hour of a hot shower to get my body moving. Mm-hmm. And life was kind of miserable. And uh, an online friend told me about a book called The Walls Protocol. And she said, you have to get this book. It's a game changer. So I got the book. And the day that I went to the rheumatologist was the day that I cut out gluten and dairy and sugar. And I know this isn't normal. I've been told this a hundred times. That's not normal, Carmen. I don't know who you are, but in five days I felt better. I, You know what, Carmen, I think, I mean, if it validates you at all, and I swear to God, I'm not just saying this. I, as someone who gets to talk to all these people all the time, maybe that's, maybe that's just why, right? I get to interact with all these individuals. I have heard some very dramatic things where things turn around very quickly with that. So, um, I mean, we don't want to tell our clients that because it might give them a false expectation, but I I've heard this. Um, and so that's actually amazing that it, that it got you there. And it's even more amazing to me that you were lucky enough to have this friend who knew about the walls protocol. So early, were they already into the functional side of things? Were they like a natural person? Like, how did they know about that? Uh, uh, she was an online friend. She has MS. Oh, okay. So there we go. That's what Dr. Walls has, although her her protocol works for all autoimmune. And um, she knew that. <laughs> so she knew that it would help. 
but yeah, um, she was very holistic in her own health, but she was not a practitioner. Got it. Well, that's, I'm, you know, because obviously with the bio having been said, it's like, I'm thinking about how much stuff still was to come and my gosh, knowing that you already made some of these changes that can really be, you know, quite significant for people. And then all this other stuff comes, that's, that's kind of crazy. So you felt better in five days, but obviously there were still multiple diagnoses to come. So what happened? I mean, what happens after five days, right? Like what does the next year look like for you? Right. Well, and I, I did feel better. It wasn't that I was completely cured or that everything was fine. Um, but so then my, in the follow-up with the rheumatologist, um, I probably just normal protocol for them. I was sent to do a DEXA scan. Uh, so I did that about a week after my initial consult with the rheumatologist and that showed that I had severe osteoporosis. So of course I had another appointment with him and he wanted to put me on methotrexate for the RA and he wanted to put me on one of those terrible quote unquote bone building drugs um, that ha- also have black labels on them. Mm-hmm. And I was just not into that. So I eventually, I, I saw him a few times during 2019 and fired him at the end of it <laughs> because he's very <laughs> condescending and, um, but in the in the meantime, in the fall of 2019, I got this terrible, I don't know, I, I guess you might call it a rash, but they were little red bumps that were not really itchy most of the time. And I didn't know what it was. And so, of course, I was trying different holistic things, essential oils and aloe and different things, and it would not go away. So I ended up going to my regular my PCP, and she referred me out to a dermatologist (laughs) who gave me some steroid cream. And since nothing, I mean, when you get this, um, it's gutate psoriasis. And when you get it, it sticks around for about four or five months. I mean, these things Mm -hmm. just don't go away. It's not like, oh, put this cream on for a week and it's gone. Um, And so I had tried so many things that wouldn't make it go away. So I did do the steroid cream and they did eventually go away. Um, and in, in that same time frame, I had frozen shoulder <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a kind of a mess, but I had done a lot of different holistic things. And one of the things that helped absolutely everything was my acupuncturist. Okay. What is going through your head as this is all happening because you know again in the beginning you stated well hey I'm, I'm trying to do what i can like i live a healthy enough life and in a fairly short period of time let's be honest i mean we're only talking about like a year or two here more or less you're getting multiple things going on so was there any thought process in your head of like this didn't make sense or did you just think, Hey, maybe this is something that happens to some people. Um, I know that you listen to the show. So you kind of know I'm fascinated with figuring out what was going through people's minds at that time. So what were you thinking? Right. I was, um, well, I was pissed off. (laughs) Just let's be honest about it. I, I had changed so many things. I was working with a functional doctor And we had done labs, we had done different protocols to fix my gut and fix my hormones and fix this and fix that. And I was just baffled that I was doing so many good things and I had made so many different 
things different in my life that this was still going on. Like, okay. Uh, and I thought maybe this is like the detox, like we've stirred up some different things and, you know, they're all kind of getting themselves out and they're manifesting in those ways. And, you know, but mostly I was just kind of mad. And uh, at the same time, I wasn't in a very good marriage. And, um, you know, now that I know what I know, looking back, I can say that, you know, emotions and where we're at in our head have a huge play on how healthy we are physically. And yes. so I didn't, I didn't really realize that at the time, how much that would have affected what was going on. But I think that that did have a large effect and, you know, my attitude and just not understanding as well that I thought I eliminated gluten, but I probably didn't because it's okay. so insidious and so many different things. So probably the cream I was putting on my face every night was, you know, inundating me with some gluten and, and, you know, the labs that I've run since do show that I'm pretty gluten sensitive. And so I think there were a lot of underlying things that I wasn't aware of. And um, knowing that the work that I had done with this functional MD, I could see where there were pitfalls and I was working on those things, but I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't completely putting it all together the way that I can do now. Okay. I liked it. Well, I don't like that you experienced it, but I appreciate it rather that you brought up the anger thing. I cannot remember who it was, but there is only one other person throughout all these episodes, believe it or not, that admitted to that anger aspect. And I think that is something a lot of people feel. But then when we're telling the stories, it's not like I don't think that they're lying, but we don't even we don't recognize that because it's not always the socially appropriate thing. It's like, oh, I was sad. I was upset. Well, it's like, of course, but people forget how frustrated I was angry too. I totally get this. It's unfair. You're like, how is this happening to me? Or how is this happening to someone else in our life? And of course, now that you and I and other people are able to make the connection that the emotions actually are very linked with this. Clearly, that's not a particularly helpful emotion when we're going through it, but it does matter. And for those listening, it is perfectly normal and perfectly okay to feel a little angry when this stuff's happening because it's not fair. You know, we got one life to live and it's not cool when we're dealing with these kinds of severe things. So I just appreciate you recognizing that. I think it's validating for other people who listen to this show, because I know other people experience that, and it's sometimes hard to talk about. Now, again, I, I kind of have some insider knowledge here, right? Having the bio, and I know that the audience has this as well, um, and we all know what's about to come up. Not only do you get these diagnoses and the autoimmune stuff, but we're about to escalate into a cancer type of diagnosis. So how how did that happen? Did you go somewhere and get like a checkup or did you have new symptoms? What led to you going to the doctor to getting that diagnosis? Well, um, when I started the walls protocol, because I was eating so healthy and I'm, I'm not overweight, I weighed about 110 pounds and I immediately lost 10 pounds. So, you know, by early summer, I was down 10 pounds from eating better, just getting rid of, you know, junk. <laughs> And then um, in the fall, I suddenly lost 10 more pounds. And um, right around Christmas time, 
because I was kind of perimenopausal and uh, was still bleeding, still having my cycles. And I started uh, an, a, a weird cycle and it didn't stop. And I was working with my functional MD and, um, and I saw her in February and I had gotten all my blood work done again because we were close to a year out from the RA blood work and I wanted to see where it was without medication. Sure. And so I had all that done and my numbers dropped about a hundred points with no medicine. And so we were cheering that and we were so excited and, and she was still worried about my weight and she told, and she said, you know, and I told her that I had been bleeding nonstop since Christmas. And she said, you need to get in and have uh, an ultrasound. You need to get the ultrasound because you're at that age. And she said, and you also need to gain some weight. She said, it's just amazing how quickly things can go sideways if you don't have any padding, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. I weighed like 90 pounds. And so she was very worried about that. So I went in and I had the ultrasound and I could tell that something was going on because the tech kept going to one spot. She kept going, you know, she was very casual about it, but she kept going to one spot and I thought, oh, something's going on. She keeps getting pictures over on that side. And so they thought it was a, they just thought it was a fibroid. And uh, I was referred to a gynecologist who said, you know, okay, we're going to do this. And if it's just a fibroid that I can see, I can just take care of it right here in the office. And I thought, well, this is going to be great. This will be nothing to it, you know. Yeah. And uh didn't turn out that way. <laughs> Obviously, I'm guessing then the diagnosis came pretty soon after. Yeah, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fibroid. She had tried to do a pap smear, which just uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, she, well, she scheduled me for a cervical biopsy, and um, so I, you know, looked online, of course, and it said there's nothing to that procedure. It's just a little biopsy, and um, I can assure you that it's not nothing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but she, it's amazing because I actually did have a fibroid right near my cervix and that was making the cervical biopsy almost impossible. The best way that I can explain it is like, if you're trying to open a door that has a brick behind it, the door okay. won't open. And so it was very painful and it was very bloody. And, um, I don't know how she got enough tissue to be able to get some cancer tissue, but luckily she did. And so uh, I went in after the cervical biopsy about a week later, I had an appointment with her to, to discuss. And that's when I got the cancer diagnosis <laughs> and she wow. was shocked. She was a wonderful doctor and, and, you know, Lucky me, I always seem to get the, the doctors that have the interns following them. So there was an intern watching me get my cancer diagnosis. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's what everybody says. It's, it's complete shock. You just freeze. You can't believe what you just heard. And uh, I, went, I came home and I got in my sauna. 
You just went, oh my gosh, okay. I'm guessing yeah. even though you went into the sauna that the thoughts were not as relaxing as one might typically experience in there. No, no. I, I mean, well, yeah, and listen, I'm sorry to dissect this too much, but even when you and I were talking off air, I mean, you just strike me as like a very real person. So if it's ever too much, let me know. But I mean, what, yeah, what is that like? Because I know that people say these certain things, but you already are going through the ringer with these other health issues, it probably seems like they're getting better. And we even have blood work to show that some things are moving in the right direction. And now this, so, I mean, what the heck's the thought process for you when all this happens now? Yeah, I was, um, I was, I just, I didn't know what to think. You know, it's scary. Nobody wants to hear the C word. You know, there's a reason we call it the C word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, it's the big scary guy in the corner that nobody wants to talk to. And, um, yeah, I was, I was frozen for, you know, a couple of days. I just didn't know what to think. And once I got through that initial, oh my God, what? I have cancer? Like this was, this is like the one thing that doesn't go through my family, you know? And I'm like, okay, okay, what? And then, you know. When you get the cancer, you end up having to fill out. Well, they wanted to do um, some genetic testing because they thought that, oh, I can't even remember it now. There's There was a, a something they thought that I might have that would make it more hard for some of my other family that they should have, you know, regular testing. And uh, I didn't have that, but they, they wanted to do this uh, genetic testing and they had to have like the whole history of my family with cancer. And, you know, when I talked to my mom about it and when I started putting it all together, like all the pieces of the cancer that have been in our family, I was like, oh, we kind of really do. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, wow. And so um, I kind of worked through all of that. And, you know, of course, when you get a cancer diagnosis, you start getting a lot of phone calls and you start getting a lot of appointments. And mm-hmm. here's the extra little bonus because it's just how I roll. <laughs> the pandemic started right, right. in March. And so everything that I did, I had to do alone because nobody could come in with me. And, you know, that was at the very beginning when everything like... Normal appointments weren't being made. Nobody got to go to see their doctor. Like, you know, there was, you had to be emergency level to get a doctor appointment at the, you know, end of March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, they laid out the red carpet for me and welcomed me in. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, there, there's just this kind of, I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of a floating place where you're just like, you're just like floating in this like little spinny place where you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And you're trying to figure out what actually just got told to you, you know? Yeah. We, um, we had, uh, an aunt of mine, uh, several years back now at this point, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And unfortunately we did, we ended up losing her from this. This was to watch this process because, again, I had seen a lot of illness in my family, especially in the autoimmune realm. I had really seen no cancer. I hadn't, I didn't know anyone who dealt with that. You've heard of it a million times, of course, but I, I didn't 
get affected by this indirectly or directly. And when this happened, I was just shocked by the differences in how it is addressed where like my mom had these symptoms for years. It took her seven years to even get a diagnosis of the autoimmune disease she had, which was Graves disease. Whereas my aunt, I saw her on Christmas. It was normal as can be. She's happy. We're, she's having, She's hosting it at her house with my uncle. Everyone's eating, having a good time. And all I hear, like five, six, I mean, it was literally five or six days later, is that Aunt Corinne's going in for uh, brain surgery. And I'm like, what? Like, she was fine. Yeah. And apparently she had been having these headaches, Carmen. So then she went to the doctor and she found out about this. Now, I am not, listen, I know a lot about health stuff. I am not, I don't want anyone to think I'm pretending that I know all about cancer here. I do not know about that. But I know that I saw a woman in my life that was totally seemingly normal. And in my opinion, did not look like she was in dire need of such a serious surgery. And I sometimes wonder I mean, obviously, the tumor's got to go. I understand that. But at the same time, is that rushed process or the weight that comes with this diagnosis, is that actually helping the client? Because you just described this this floating feeling and just being in shock for a few days. I mean, how does how does one feel when one day they're fine in terms of not having a diagnosis, and then five days later, they're going in for one of the most invasive surgeries that someone can do? I just – the stress that that must put on one's body – I, I don't know how we would ever quantify this. I don't know how we would measure this exactly, but I feel like that's got to be worsening the situation that they're already dealing with. And I mean, it's not a situation not to be stressed about. It's obviously serious. So I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not actually posing a, a question here, I guess, but I just, I wish we could do better for these patients. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, because I, I cannot imagine that that high level of stress, the rushed aspect of it, the life-changing things that go over, uh, or that happen overnight. I, I don't know that that's 100% benefiting the person. I mean, what, what do you, you're the one that's dealt with it. So maybe I shouldn't be talking. What, what do you think about this? Do you think there's any validity to this? Well, I know of at least one way we can do better. And that is by getting more people like you and me out there in the world, actually doing this work and helping other people from a functional perspective. And if you've been considering the course, and maybe this is something that you want to do, you can go to fdntraining.com slash try FDN, and this will allow you to try the FDN course completely for free, no credit card required. I think it's going to take more than this, but this can be a good step, and it's probably the most relevant step for you if you're listening to a podcast like this. So that is fdntraining.com slash try FDN to try the course completely for free. All right, now back to today's episode. I think you're right, though. Uh, and that's the thing that just chaps me the most is that you get a cancer diagnosis and and the rush is on, you know, it's like a Black Friday 6 a.m. door opening, you know, oh, we got to get you in and we got we got it's like this cancer didn't come in overnight. You certainly have weeks, if not months to do research, talk to people, you know, get some other opinions. It doesn't have to be rushed like what they do. And that, that just torques me because I see it happening all the time because I, I align myself with cancer people. Now there, I I tell people cancer people are my favorite people (laughs) because once you've been given that diagnosis and you got to go whatever path you're going to take, you're going to become a warrior going through that. You know, it's scary and it's hard and, and getting to the other side is not a cakewalk. And so 
I love cancer people, but I hate it when I see that they're doing that to people. And, you know, they, they did that to me, but they learned pretty early on from me that I wasn't somebody who was going to get pushed around. Hmm. And so I had an entire care team. (laughs) Like I had like seven people (laughs) and I didn't know this. I'll just continue with my story. I didn't know this at the time, but whatever came back on that sample must have told them that this looked pretty advanced and they never let on to me about that. But um, it did turn out to be uh, endometrial cancer and it doesn't, it, it was a, a grade two, which is, you know, kind of medium as far as in the grid, the, when they grade it, they're saying how fast it's growing. So it was a grade two and they don't stage it until after, you know, surgery and samples. And so the, the plan for me was a, a Da Vinci hysterectomy. And so I had two surgeons and I actually had one from, I, I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner. I live in Wisconsin. So UW-Madison is highly touted as a great cancer place. And so I had a UW surgeon for my lymphadectomy and I had um, my, my provider uh, did the hysterectomy. So I had two surgeons. I had um, just different people from UW and from my provider. So, and then I had a care manager and um, they they worked together, but they were telling me even before surgery that chemo was probably going to be recommended and probably radiation. And it was here's how here's how the human spirit works. Um, at the beginning of all that, I thought, well, I'll do radiation, but I am not doing chemo. And then <laughs> I got online and I started searching and. Uh, by the time I got through all the research and found out, you know, and this was after my surgery because it, it came up as a, uh, it was stage three C one. And that's not very far from the highest stage of, you know, there is no stage five. (laughs) And so the only reason it wasn't a stage four was that it had metastasized what they would call micro metastasized in every every one of my reproductive organs. My right ovary was nothing but a tumor. It was in my fallopian tubes. It was coming down my cervical canal. Um, It was obviously in my uterus. Um, It was everywhere. And um, if it had spread to other organs, then it would have been a stage four, but it hadn't. So it was a three C one. And they did some, they took out 10 lymph nodes. So there were, uh, there was a little bit of cancer in two of them. There were suspicious cells in the, the pelvic wash. And um, it was one of the things that they, they want to look at is the invasion of the uterus wall. And that was over 50%. So it was late stage. And they, you know, right pretty shortly after the, the surgery, they came up with the six rounds of chemo 
and they wanted me to do 25 rounds of daily radiation to like five weeks. And then also uh, three brachytherapies, which is the internal therapy. And so I started researching based on what they wanted to do and the percent of remission or extra years of life that I would have got from doing the radiation was really minimal. And um, the repercussions of having the internal radiation were not good. It basically turns your, not to get too explicit, but it turns your vaginal wall into leather. <laughs> wow. That didn't sound very fun to me. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So, so I, I did opt out of, and I did go see the, I, cause I had a chemo oncologist and I had a, like the, the main oncologist. And then I had a radiation oncologist. So I had lots of different doctors, you know, trying to talk to me. And so the, uh, I didn't like the radiation oncologist and I flat out asked her in the appointment. I said, I get that you want to get the win. I said, but when do we get to talk about my quality of life? Hmm. And, um, so they, I, I just said no to that. And at, about halfway through my chemo, they had called me to ask me if I was what I had decided about the radiation. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to do it. I said, I, I thought I'd wait till, cause I wasn't a candidate to do them concurrently. And I said, I thought I'd wait till after, you know, I had my scan after the chemo and see if there was still any cancer, then maybe I would do it. And they said, well, oddly enough that I know it sounds counterintuitive, but if there is still cancer, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't do radiation. And I said, well, then I guess I'm not doing it. <laughs> and she said, well, can we call you after chemo? And I said, yeah, you can call me after chemo. And instead of calling me, they made an appointment and I got a letter in the mail that, that had an appointment set up for me. And so I called the UW and I canceled said appointment. And when the when I canceled it, the lady said, "Do you need to reschedule?" And I said, "Nope." <laughs> so I, I just said no to radiation, you know. But at the beginning, that wasn't my mindset, and um, I went into chemo uh, very unafraid. I I had, like I said, I had worked with a functional MD, and um, we had a protocol set up, and I I was doing a lot of other holistic things. And, um, I went into chemo, a very happy person. Every time I went, uh, I looked at it. It was a day for me to get my focus back on what it was that my, this was my one job that summer. That was my one job. And that got me back into focus. And, um, my, my functional MD also kind of, well, at the beginning, she told me, <coughs> excuse me that I was going to have to find a way to be grateful for this. And I, I thought she was out of her ever-loving mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. And um, as I went through the process, I discovered that, um, you know, I, I, I'm grateful. But she also told me that when I go into chemo, that I should ask that chemo to bless other people who have ailments and so when I went into chemo, I would have my list of people who were suffering with different things. And I would ask that chemo to bless them too. Wow. So it's a mindset that, thing. 
You know, I didn't go in angry. I didn't go in thinking, I can't believe I have to sit here for six hours and take this crap, putting poison into me. You know, I, I call it the blessed poison. That's what I call it. Well, and I mean, I wouldn't be the one to say it having not been through it, right? But since you've been through it, you are literally correct. I don't think anyone could argue that feeling terrible about it and negative about it is going to support the situation. It simply won't. My aunt was one of, I couldn't believe that she transformed in almost a positive way. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. The mental fortitude to get through something like that. And as you're describing this story, I'm just, it, it always gives me an enhanced perspective when I hear from people like you. I mean, what you guys are actually going through is so additionally stressful to the body. And we know how much stress the body has to be under to even get to this place to begin with, especially, you know, this as an FDN. It is remarkable that anyone makes it out of this. I mean, it's actually very hard for me to understand and wrap my head around. And what, one thing I want to really throw in here, because I don't think this happens too often on the show. I just appreciate you guiding us through the journey and not just talking about the natural stuff. Because I always say on this show, Carmen, that we're not against Western medicine. There's a time and place for everything. And we just want to be able to make informed decisions as individuals who are getting treatments done or maybe have chronic disease or whatever. And I think what you did makes perfect sense. You have a late later stage thing going on. It's pretty scary. It's pretty serious. This might not be the time to go do the juice cleanses or whatever. Like we got to do a little more than that. And thank God Western medicine was here for you to help with some of these surgeries. Now, no one's arguing that's ideal. Obviously we would have liked to avoid that to begin with, but if we're already in that position, Sometimes we got to be intelligent with how we're mixing both things together. And I know that you sent in the information, or sorry, you said in the information that you sent to me that you also combined a holistic approach with this. So what were some of the holistic things that you were doing? Was that just a maintaining of the diet you had been on or were you adding in additional therapies uh, holistic wise now as well to this treatment for you? Uh, we, we added in, uh, we did a little Gerson therapy, which is, uh, it's kind of a, it's a very complicated, it's for cancer. Um, we didn't do all of the Gerson therapy things, but um, there's a mixture of like this cottage cheese and fish oil. And we did that. And um, because I was so thin, uh, we did some, uh, <laughs> it sounds really gross, but she made me do it. Um, I don't drink coffee, but I, I drink uh, chicory root. And so in my chicory root, I would have to put in ghee, like two tablespoons of ghee in my quote unquote coffee. And <laughs> um, <laughs> so we did that. Uh, I did a lot more juicing instead of my smoothies because the juicing gives you the, you know, just the nutrients that you can quickly absorb. And I had some absorption problems before the cancer. So. So, yeah, some more juicing and, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of help with my supplementation. Um, I was kind of thrown into finding that out on my own. And so I went to Sloan Kettering has a, a website that tells you uh, drug interactions with certain certain supplements. And mm-hmm. the only thing my functional MD told me was no vitamin A, C or E. And, um, other than that, I was on my own. (laughs) And so, and my oncologist wouldn't tell me what I should and shouldn't take. 
You can also do some intermittent fasting. A lot of people will fast during chemo because it makes it more effective. I didn't do that because I was really thin. I, I got under 90 pounds at one point. So I didn't feel like that was something that I would want to do. I do it yeah. now, but um, yeah. So there were some different things. And I, I, when I got home from chemo, I, I went out and walked a mile. You know, I just, um, I stayed really active. In fact, the, the big joke of my chemo was after my fourth chemo, I blackjacked my driveway <laughs> because <laughs> it needed it. And I was at a really, really low point and um, feeling really like just a bucket of mud. And I wanted to feel good about something and I wanted to feel capable. And so um, it was it was kind of funny because I kind of had to stay out of the sun. And my driveway gets a lot of sun, so I had to really mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it was a it was a little bit of a struggle with the sun. But um, I mean, guys in my neighborhood were coming out, going, "Oh, you should come and do mine." You know, I'm out there with my no hair, and <laughs> like here I am at 88 pounds out there doing that, and they're going, "You should come and do mine." You know, so <laughs> that was kind of fun. But I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it for me because I needed to know that I could accomplish a really hard task. How, well, I want to actually word it this way. If someone is listening to this today, and I know inevitably it will happen considering our audience at this point, let's say they are in the midst of the cancer stuff. They are working through this. Maybe they're listening to this just to even get some advice or get some tips while they're also doing whatever treatments their doctor is recommending. What would be your advice to an individual who has received that cancer diagnosis and is going through this Um, advice, obviously that would support them in actually getting through this successfully? Um, Well, one of the things that really got me through, um, there was a docu-series on just like talk about heaven sent. It just dropped into my lap and I, I own it now. Um, there was a series called the answer to cancer and it was a lot of alternative, uh, doctors. And that is a series that I would recommend to anybody who has cancer. There's, you're going to hear the same thing over and over from all of these different doctors, not because they're all promoting the same product, but because it's such a mindset thing. So that's one thing is the answer to cancer. It's a Jeff Hayes film and um, you can pick and choose the modules that you watch. And if a, if an interview is not, you know, tickling your fancy, you can fast forward and watch a different one. Um, But that, that's what, that actually changed my life. Um, Kellyanne Petrucci was in there because she's a, a alternative doctor who had cancer and she said a couple of things in there that that it flipped my world. That's that's how I got started. It just it I don't I don't know how to describe it. I can I watch her interview probably every couple of months and I cry every time I watch it. Wow. Um it just resonated with me. So there's gonna be something in there for everybody. And I can tell you that that series specifically has a lot of breast cancer doctors in there. So especially if somebody has breast cancer, that's great. Um, Kelly Turner has a book called Radical Remission, and it's the most inspirational book you'll ever read on cancer because she interviews stage four 
mostly stage four, some stage three cancer survivors who did not do a lot, if any, uh, Western medicine and surviving like 20 years later because there's things that you do and the way that you think and just practices in your daily life that will change your trajectory. It really will. Um, And then the other thing that I tell everybody, and I totally believe this, you, whatever, you know, pick door one, two, or three, doesn't matter, but you have to believe in what you're doing. If you don't believe in what you're doing, that it's going to cure you, it's not going to cure you. That's just my hard and fast rule now, you know, is it doesn't matter what you pick, but you have to believe in it. There's, I, I swear it's like 80% mindset with cancer. You know, the body makes this tumor because things aren't working right and your cells aren't signaling properly. So if you can fix things and, you know, like for me, I look back and I don't know if I would have done chemo. I would have done the surgery probably. I don't know if I would have done chemo knowing what I know now. I don't regret it. And I said that at the time, no matter what happens down the road, I'm good with what I've chosen. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the way you have to approach it. You know, I just think so much of it is mindset. And, you know, you have to be diligent and you have to do the the reading on what your cancer is and talk to people and, and go, you know, go down these paths before you go in and just follow every doctor's first recommendation, you know? Right. There's, and that's what stinks. It's like, uh, on one hand, I'm so glad that we have the ability in today's internet age and because it gives us access to the books easier and we can find this information easier. I'm glad that patients are empowered in that way. But it's also sad to me that people, you know, dealing with something so serious need to go out of their way in a sense to also educate themselves while they're dealing with something that is highly stressful. So nonetheless, I appreciate those recommendations. I haven't actually, I mean, I haven't heard of either of those things. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm more keep myself in the autoimmune space, but this is amazing. I'm glad that we have this now for the people that listen. And if I'm not mistaken, you are, as of right now, you are cancer-free, correct, Carmen? I am. I have my two-year cancer checkup next week. So uh, my cancer is known for coming back with a vengeance in two years. And when I asked my oncologist, what does that look like? She said, we see it in a lot of places and it's considered incurable. She said, but there's things we can do. And those things would be things like Keytruda, and I'm not interested in that. But um, one of the things that I do want to say before we, I know we're getting kind of close to the end here, but um, I truly believe that cancer comes for a reason. And that's one of the things you'll hear in that Answer to Cancer series is that it's God's way of kicking you in the pants because you're not living your life right in some way. And I truly believe that because... I went into it just going, what is going on with me and why me? And, you know, doing that floating space going, what, what? And as I went through it, um, I I figured out why. I mean, I was in a toxic relationship that ended during my treatment. And that's why it came. 
And if I would have had a cancer that would have only required an operation <laughs> and everything was good, it wouldn't have been enough to get him out of my life. So it mm-hmm. had to be this severe. And so that's one of the reasons I'm grateful for it. You know, and that's the that's the trick to the whole cancer puzzle is that you have to scrutinize your life and figure out what am I supposed to learn for this from this? You know, and if we quit if we quit looking at things in our lives as why is this happening to me and change that question to why is this happening for me? Because I truly believe that my cancer happened for me. And I know that probably sounds like people are going, what? But I'm a better person today. I've learned a lot. I've grown. I've gotten stronger. I was already pretty strong, but I've gotten stronger and and life is much better than before cancer. Wow. This is I, this is as much of a motivational talk for me today, Carmen, as it is a health talk. Jeez, um, <laughs> I, I seriously no. I mean, that's this isn't a joke. You know, we get one chance at this life, and when something comes in our face like that, that is rather serious. I think that really separates. And I'm someone who, I mean, I try to be as much mindset oriented as I can. I'm very into personal development, but that's a true test. You know, you can't fake that. That's either real or it's not. And I think it's very genuinely inspirational to the people listening today. And so I appreciate this. I might actually keep you, I won't keep you too long, but I'll keep you for a few extra minutes just because I, I when you said that, I looked down at the time, I couldn't believe we got through this. Um, but I, I wanted to, we have to talk about this for sure, is the fact that you not only have this great mindset around this now, you actually said that you found your passion, like this life passion because of what you dealt with. And that eventually led you to FDN. So I just thought that was amazing. I mean, when you were going through the FDN course, were were you finding some more healing opportunities in your body? Were you maybe finding some stuff on the lab test? Because like, I feel like this next, um, this next checkup coming up in a week or two, that's going to be probably great because you're doing some of the best health stuff in the world. So did you find any healing opportunities on the FDN labs? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, to be honest, I'm, I'm due to get some labs run. I just don't have the money. <laughs> um, but it was, it was funny because prior to the cancer, I was estrogen dominant mm-hmm. and actually had high testosterone. And after, and now you, you figure this was, you know, a full two years from the first labs that had gotten done almost and uh, after the hysterectomy which we know what that does to hormones <laughs> um, when I did that lab the um, the estrogen estrogen dominance was still there <laughs> although you know all the numbers were lower but it was still estrogen dominance and it was like wow and because of the cancer we can't do all of the things that we can do with most of our clients um, my oncology team did not want me doing any, any hormones. So, um, you know, we worked with some other adaptogens, but, um, and the, uh, yeah, I, I had some H pylori and, um, you know, just, just all the things that I learned in the, in the process of getting through the course, um, it helped me be my own health detective. And so that was really cool. And, 
Um, I've actually, I, I had a, I've had an RA flare going for a while and I put myself on a gut product protocol and I'm getting better. So nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good to have, you know, that information, even though I can't afford to run the lab, I know my body. And that's one of the things that, you know, you probably know as an autoimmune patient, but especially with cancer, you get really in tune with your body. Um, and, you know, as an FDN, you're already really in tune with your body. And so I, I knew that, you know, there's some gut stuff going on here. So I, you know, I ordered up some supplements and, and started myself on a gut protocol and things are getting better. Awesome. And that is so true. I feel like as we, the, yeah, the, one of the, one of the blessings, because there are other blessings in this if we look for them, but one of the blessings with the chronic diseases is if you do choose this more natural route, yes, you become hyper aware. And I don't mean that in a paranoid sense. I mean that in a very good sense. I think it's how right. human beings were supposed to be designed. We, we understood our bodies and the world around us. I mean, I mean, think about it. What other animal needs a menu and nutrition facts to figure out what to eat? They don't, they don't need that. They just know what to eat naturally. Yeah. And yet we are so far away we're so domesticated that we can't even figure that out without being like doing podcasts like this and doing all this science and stuff it's actually it's ironic for someone like myself who's in the space that we literally shouldn't even need this and yet we have to because of how we have chosen to live as human beings um and so yeah there's something there is something to that for sure and i'm glad that you are an fdn now and now have these extra tools and that empowerment that comes with, like you said, being a true health detective. I, I have a, I have a good feeling about a week from now. And I mean that I would not say that if I did not actually believe that I think this is going to be good. And maybe it's just because of your mindset. Maybe it's just contagious in that sense where I think anything could happen in a week and yet Carmen's still going to figure it out somehow. Maybe that's the reason I'm, I'm saying that. So that's more of a testament to you than it is my intuition. <laughs> my friend, you. I like to tell people that cancer came, we danced, we're done. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's how right. I describe it. It came, we danced, well, we're done. <laughs> well, Carmen, I know that you graduated, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, only somewhat recently, right? Because I, I mean, graduated five years ago. We have people on that have graduated 10 years ago. Um, and so I know that you're still only, you know, getting started with your practice and stuff. But I'm curious. I mean, I know for a fact you're going to resonate with someone that listens to this thing, especially because your story is actually quite unique um, compared to the other people that we bring on. So who is your, I mean, in the best, the, the best ability that you can describe it, who is your ideal client? Like who would you like to work with and, and serve in, in this work? I think like most of us that come to FDN, um, we're looking for ourselves, you know, so people with autoimmune, um, Definitely people with cancer, cancer survivors who want to avoid getting a recurrence and, um, you know, just any autoimmune because it, what we do will help it. We know that, you know, getting back into homeostasis will calm any autoimmune. And if we're healthy, we're not going to get a recurrence from cancer. And mm -hmm. so... You know, I feel like I could work with anybody because I, I know what FDN does, you know, but yeah, cancer and autoimmune people. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Where can people, I will have this in the show notes, of course, but where can people find you if they would, um, they'd like to work with you? I have a Facebook, Facebook page. My business is named the wellness principle. It's at CS 
both capital letters, W, capital D. And um, my website is thewellnessprinciple.com. Awesome. And we will finish up today, Carmen, with the signature question on the Health Detective Podcast. And that question is, if I could give you, in this case, a magic wand, and you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do uh, one thing for their health, whether that's literally do one thing or stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that Carmen would get them to do? Well, I scream this from the top of my lungs. I, I swear this will be on my my gravestone. Food is medicine. treated as such. Food is medicine. And let it be your medicine. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's episode with Carmen Weir. I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed recording it. Of course, I don't want to hear someone go through all this stuff. But at the same time, that mindset, it is encouraging, inspiring. It's just amazing to be able to hear that from someone. And it's rock solid. You can't fake it. You can't buy it. There's nothing you can do other than actually have some type of lived experience or go through some type of challenge. And then on top of it, have the wisdom to actually use it for something good. Because you can go through that stuff and most people don't end up with that mindset. In fact, I would argue that probably the majority end up with the exact opposite mindset. But not Carmen. And it's one thing for people like me to say it who might not have been through something like cancer. But for these individuals out there that are suffering to get to hear something like this from someone who's dealt with it, that's real. That is 100% real. And I hope it helps those individuals. If you guys like the information that we're sharing, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple and or Spotify. If you'd be so kind as to do that, then I would love you even more than I already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon with another interview. But until then, please take care.